The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And this week, we are joined by Bob Cramutola, the 2022 NFBC main event champion. And Bob and I have already been in some gladiator drafts together. So it's, it's perfect timing. We actually did one last night. Uh, Bob, how are you doing? Really appreciate you joining me. Oh, I, I'm doing great, James. Hope you're doing well. Um, I, I listen, I appreciate I'm, I've been a big fan for a long time. I, I appreciate you inviting me on. Oh, of course. Uh, very happy to have you. Um, you know, you're, you're coming off a, an awesome season in the NFBC. Uh, really appreciate your support at, at Rotowire as well. Um, so I, I think I've probably been in drafts with you. I know I was in drafts with you last year. I, I can't recall that the history's already gone, but like I, I can't recall exactly how those leagues shook out. I, I've probably been in drafts with you even before last year. Um, but I remember, I think I kind of uh, sort of, you came into my consciousness for the first time. I was listening to a, a pod, uh, John Legaza's pod, uh, and Matt Modica referred to you as Bobby Big Bucks. <laughs> and that's just a, a great nickname for a high stakes fantasy baseball player. So I'm curious how you got the nickname Bobby Big Bucks. Yeah. So uh, Vlad Sedler gave it to me, actually. Um, you know, I, I, I know Vlad from uh, football from a few years ago. I used to be a sub to a company that he worked for. And when he left them, I kind of followed him. And, you know, uh, you know, we DM back and forth a lot on Twitter. And, and he's been a great fan and supporter of mine. And one time I was just curious about, you know, what it takes to potentially, you know, I had an interest in, in the sports uh, field and then what's it take to start up like a company, like, you know, you know not necessarily a roto wire, but, you know, FTN or that, what kind of money. And, you know, so, you know, Vlad having experience, I said, all right, so if I have X amount of money, is that enough? And I guess he, he thought that was a very, very large amount of money or something. <laughs> and, and just the next thing I remember on one of his pods, he called me Bobby Big Bucks. And I think that's where it <laughs> kind of where it came from. And then it just, I don't know, it just stuck. And, you know, Jeff Erickson calls me a billionaire, Bob, but um, <laughs> uh, I just think he likes wrestling a little bit. But yeah, Vlad Sedler uh, uh, gave me that nickname uh, and it, it just stuck. So it's okay, I guess. 
Well, you uh, you definitely earned it last year. Uh, what I, I I think I know the answer to this, but what what is your day job, or what was your day job, and sort of how much has playing fantasy sort of become your day job? Yeah, I, I own some car dealerships in um, Nashville and Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and uh, you know I've been in the automotive business for quite a while now, and uh, fortunately I'm at the point in my career where I can take some time off, more time off than normal. So I still have a full-time job. I go to it just about every day, but I can, you know, being the boss has perks, you know, so I can kind of, uh, you know, find time to do all my uh, fantasy requirements, but yeah, I, I still work a full-time job. Do the people at your dealerships know about your fantasy exploits? Uh, just in some home leak stuff, you know, they don't know. I try not to, you know, mix up too much of personal life with uh, the employees. I got about 200 employees in my dealerships total. So, um, and sometimes those relationships don't end wonderfully. So mm-hmm. I kind of try to separate, you know, personal life from, um, from my business life if I can, but some of them do know, cause we do some home league stuff and, you know, just fun stuff like that. Was, so I, I know you were in, a ton of leagues last year uh was the was last year kind of a normal year for you in terms of entries and high stakes contests entered or did you up the ante last year you know i i started in uh 20 the covid year was my first year so last year was only my third year at, at nfbc um and I, I think it was kind of normal compared to the other years. I do plan on on focusing a little bit more and playing a, a little bit less. But it all started that COVID year, you know, being on lockdown and mask mandates. And, you know, that all hit at the time, you know, fantasy baseball drafts are going on. So I just started to draft a lot. And I, I love drafting. I enjoy it. Uh, you know, I would do one every day. Now, if I don't count the gladiators this year, it'll pro- I'll probably do a little bit less this year because – the gladiators are 50 bucks a pop and there's, you know, it's no management. I'm probably gonna do a bunch of those. Yeah. Uh, they are very addicting. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about the gladiator here in, in a second. Um, if you were to kind of give like a, a scouting report on you as a fantasy baseball player, what would you say are you kind of strongest at, and then, like, what are maybe some areas where you're you're still looking to improve? Uh, I'm pretty good at uh, – well, I, I, I was able to the, – definitely the, the key factor in winning the main overall was the guys I got in FAB. So I drafted just an okay team. Uh, I used to be just a horrible drafter. Now I'm kind of mediocre. Um, ever since last year, I uh, used the, started using the Roto-Wire draft software. Uh, that's really, really helped me. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, picking up, no, you know, identifying the players on FAB that are really going to help my team and filling in all those weaknesses in FAB leagues. I have not yet figured out DCs yet. Although I had a good year last year in DCs, but I, I need to get a better feeling of, you know, the overall player pool. Like I know like this year, I, you know, I heard, you guys all of a sudden, you know, that that fan, that Arizona first pitch, I never heard of Matt Mervis before, but, you know, now I have. Um, so now I'm trying to do some research on 
Kyle Manzardo and Ricky Tiedemann and you know, all these guys who in years past I never would have even been aware of come draft time. But now, you know, to compete in these leagues, I, you know, you just have to be aware. So I need to, to get better. I really got to have a better feel for the, the total player pool, especially for DCs, you know, when you're, when you're drafting that many people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, D- DC's definitely uh there's a it's a it's a totally different animal, right? And it's, yeah. it's something that's kind of hard you know, you can be doing. I've probably been doing them for over 5 years and I still feel like there's a lot of sort of nuances I've got to get better at, but it is kind of night and day kind of how I draft a, a draft champions like today versus how I would have done it five or six years ago. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely, uh, something I think we're, we're always trying to get better at. Um, what, uh, when you like you, you referenced sort of the the fab pickups you made last year and that sort of being, uh, the driver of, of success for you. Do you, do you think, did you kind of see something with, with each of those where you kind of, really wanted the guy not not necessarily by how much you bid but you just you saw something that that really kind of piqued your interest or did you sort of stumble into any of those guys like how how much of that do you think is sort of repeatable for 2023 i think it's repeatable if you uh you know if you're really watching to see the, the usage and the playing time of some of the guys i mean i had you know uh, spencer strider was one of the big ones and i just I happened to have uh, Kenley Jansen. Uh, he was, you know, my closer I drafted. And, you know, I felt with, you know, I, you know, I didn't know, but I was like, all right, well, maybe he could be a fallback if something happens to Jansen. He wasn't, Strider wasn't starting yet, but being a Phillies fan, uh, I watched quite a few uh, Braves games. And, um, you know, I just saw him pitch once. I'm like, well, this guy's going to do something. You know, you, he's, he seemed on. <laughs> Uh, you know, same thing with Kyle Wright. He was another pickup of mine. So it was really identifying guys that were, you know, Tyler Anderson also was going to become a starter and be part of that rotation because of, of injuries once Walker Bueller went down. So it was like, all right, well, there's nothing wrong with a starting pitcher on the Dodgers. You know, that, you know, that guy's, you know, he chances are he's going to do well if he, you know, just throws strikes. Um, so, yeah, I think I definitely think it's repeatable based upon, you know, situations of players and injuries. Uh, you know, how that's going to affect player, you know, time, uh, you know, guys in the wire, how their time is going to get affected, you know, when there's injuries or any opportunity uh, on, on the team. Yeah, it, it helps to to watch baseball, you know. I mean, I know a lot of us, uh, you know, we're, we're busy and we don't we don't get time to watch as, as many games as we'd like. But, you know, just, just watching a decent amount of baseball. I mean, you watch a guy like Spencer Strider, like you said, uh pretty easy to kind of see how that could that could be a big hit uh so you mentioned strider Wright, anderson uh what kind of what what went right for you on the the hitting side on your your winning team last year uh i uh schwarber uh you know hitting 46 home runs and you know finishing second that really helped me out in power swanson who um that's a pure rotowire pick. That's a Jeff Erickson pick. I got to give him credit for that. He really pumped up Swanson. And uh, I think Jeff does the projections, if I'm not mistaken, for the... Yep. The, the, right. So when I'm in the software and I'm drafting, I, I'll use the software and I'll modify some of the projections, but I didn't touch Swanson's. And, you know, every Swanson was always pushed to the top. So, you know, Jeff really liked them. 
uh, it was obvious. But Swanson had a huge year. I mean, he returned, I think, top 15 on the Rasball player rater. And, you know, I got him really late. I got Julio Rodriguez in the 16th round. You know, that's, you know, you, you get that kind of return on the guy in the 16th. And Tristan, well, he's a pitcher, McKen, Tristan McKenzie. I got him in 15th. But uh, I got lucky with some guys late. I didn't have some great, I had some okay fab pickups. I got uh, Josh Naylor off fab. And I picked up Segura, Manny Morgot when they were injured. So it was good to get them for a buck. I didn't have much money left. So I had to go kind of, you know, bottom feeding a little bit for guys that were, they were hurt at the time I picked them up. Not that they're bad players. Uh, but yeah, kind of was it. I drafted Luis Robert first and that really for half a season, it was great, but you know, long-term Bregman had a big year. For, I just had some guys have some big years. So it, it was, it was nice. Yeah. That is a, a great feature we've got with the, uh, projections and the software where you can go in there and sort of, uh, edit, edit yeah. some of the, the projections, uh, where you see fit. Um, when you kind of reflect back on last year, is there anything you can kind of, you know, give out to sort of other drafters, other players, something you learned um, that might sort of help people going into 2023? Yeah, I went back last year and I looked, <coughs> pardon me, and uh, like the first year, that COVID year that I did, I did three uh, main events. And I finished fourth in one, fifth in another. And the one I finished fourth, like Rob Silver was in it, Phil DeSalt won it, Rob DiPietro was in it, uh, you know, Zach Waxman was in it, Mark Sreeva was in it. I finished fourth among those guys, so I felt pretty good. But I knew I wasn't nowhere near their, their level. And I, I think the best way to get better is to just draft a lot of teams and then manage them. Just drafting gets you uh, so much uh, experience, you know, the more experienced draft you can get, the, the better off. But then also you got to manage the teams. I manage all my teams. I'm a nightmare to some guys because, I mean, just today I'm doing uh, fab for football and I got a team with two wins, but I'm still making fab bids. I play to the end. But if you want to get better, the more you draft, I think the more it helps you out. And then also if you have more teams to manage, just practice. You know, practice is going to make you better because you're not going to make the players better, right? I can't, I, you know, I'm not going to make uh, Bryce Harper better. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love it if you could make him healthy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got him in the first round of the, uh, <clears throat> that, uh, Rob D. Pietro's, uh, first DC or whatever from, from oh, August. Oh yeah. That was done um, way before any thought of him having surgery or anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that was done so far in the, the past that, None of us in the draft room even knew that he was UT only at the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and and now fast forward, and uh, that that'll probably be my only Harper share on the season. But uh, you know that's yeah. fine. Um, I know you you consume. Um, you're you're a loyal Rotowire subscriber. I know you you're uh you're, you're going to be reading Vlad's you know Fab columns and stuff like that. I know you consume a lot of content, a lot of articles, a lot of podcasts. Uh, do you try to sort of narrow it down to the ones that sort of are giving you the, the best info or do you try to kind of consume as much as you can and then sort of evaluate the analysis on sort of a case by case basis? I really try and consume as much as I can. Um, so I'm at work, you know, well, I, I'm in a central time zone. So 11 to one used to be rotor wire time for me. Um, and when Chris list retired, it was awesome because it was you and, you clay or or it was todd zola with you every day during you know i, I wish those days could go back and uh, not that chris listen jeff weren't great but it became a, a really a baseball 
two-hour show uh, that I missed. But when you when you just listen to enough people and you start to hear, you know, people that I respect in the industry all have a, a popular opinion about a player, well, then chances are that player is probably going to be pretty decent. Um, so I try and consume as much as I can, and I, I find value in, in almost – like I love the pod you did with uh, – you know, Sarah, like, you know, a couple, maybe a week ago, wasn't now. I mean, you know, she's obviously, you know, she knows a lot about the Cubs. So now say Suzuki is probably going to be pretty high up. I'll probably be drafting him a round or two higher than his ADP based upon some of the great information she gave out on that pod. So I, I just find that stuff extremely valuable. I, I mean, I would love to get to a point one day where I can do my own projections and feel comfortable about them, you know, like Phil Dussault can, um, but I'm just not there yet. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just nowhere near that. So I really rely on, you know, all of the information out there. You know, I was just listening to a pod over you know, the weekend and Julio Urias got 37 wins the last two years. No one got 30. Well, I didn't know that. You know, I mean, a guy like me, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit I'm not great at, you know, this yet. I'm getting better. I think I'm getting better every year and I hope, hope to have a, even better uh, year this year and uh, actually realized my goal, which is to just win a uh, main event league. Cause I've yet to do that. <laughs> I have not won my league. So uh, yeah, I, I find all that information on Twitter or, or like all the, that's another thing I'd recommend to people go to Twitter, find fantasy baseball, Twitter, and just listen to many of these pods as you can for as long as you can. I mean, some of them run four hours, you know, that can be tough at times, but there's just some great information on these pods on stuff, you know, that I never knew about or never realized. And then if you listen to enough, you know, I start to hear, you know, the same two, three guys really prop up a player. Well, okay. I, I'm interested that, you know, that gets my attention. Um, so yeah, I like to consume as much as I can. And, you know, I sub to quite a few things and, and just listen. And I love baseball. Like, I love baseball if you're going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people love that pod with Sarah. I love I love um, whenever you can talk to someone who's sort of a an expert on a single team, whether it's sort of a reporter or a fan or whoever. Uh, that's always going to give you, I think, valuable insight into the players on that team. Like I, I think I can give out very good. Ad- I, I think I can give out better advice on on Brewers probably than than non-brewers uh and i think that's probably the case with with most people in the teams they follow most closely so i oh, love yeah. whatever i can have a Boy, guess is like garrett mitchell gonna play a lot this year <laughs> yeah you took him and uh was that our first is that the first one um yeah, I, yeah i've taken him and i've done like four dcs and i think i took him in three of them and you know i'm hoping he plays a lot this year but he's well, risky in that gladiator format but he is he is uh well, let's here. How about this? Let's uh, let's transition to Gladiator talk. Oh, okay. Um, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. With Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You mentioned the the writ. Well, actually, I'll I'll explain the contest first. Uh, so, NFBC uh, released this new contest. I think it was inspired by uh, Zach and maybe a couple others. Um, but it was it was a a user suggestion essentially. And uh, what it is is you you have to draft the twenty three active spots, just the normal NFBC. You know, nine pitchers, the normal. Uh, 14 hitter spots you have to fill all 23 of those spots and then the draft's over the the league work is over you're you're not making any pickups you're not making any trades you're not making any uh, substitutions and it's fifty dollars uh the league winner gets 250 and the overall winner gets 7500 so uh it doesn't really make financial sense to be playing for the league win uh, you, you're, you're going for that overall, definitely. Um, and you and I were in the first one and that's the one you got Garrett Mitchell in. Uh, I did one, I did my second gladiator last night. Uh, was that your second or had you done yeah, a few? That was my third. I've done three. That was your third. Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, I think the whole, it's, it's so fun. Uh, I was kind of, um, like it's it's almost sort of like it's like a board game or a video game and they introduced a new map and we're all just kind of trying to figure out 
what the best way to play this game is. And uh, obviously the best way to play is to just draft the, the right players. Um, but there's just so many different kind of uh, opinions on, well, you, you can't take risky players. You can't take rookies or, you know, you have to take closers up top or, you know, there's just all these different like lines of thought, you know, it, it would really be nice to get a couple aces to really give you those, those strikeouts and, and secure the ratios. Um, there's just so many different ways to go about it. Uh, do you have any kind of sort of hunches as to sort of the best way to, to draft a gladiator team compared to just, you know, a random draft with benches and, and fab and that type of thing? Well, I, you know, my strategy in the first one we did, uh, where we did it, we did a like a podcast came out on it. I was going to go, I picked second, but I wanted to go, I would have went Diaz Classy first and just like own saves for the most part. And then actually in third and fourth round, I would have went catcher-catcher, um, which would have been odd. But, you know, when you get, you know, how many catchers are really going to bat, you know, the top five of their order and give you, you know, high 400s 500 plus at bats so i figured well that's going to be an advantage you know i'm going to be giving up something somewhere but that's going to be an advantage but the way the draft you know unfolded it was no way you know you just you just couldn't too many people you know were drafting the the closers right away and i didn't think that was going to happen so that strategy seems to be hard to pull off now you know that's the draft i drafted uh camilla devals in the second round which is crazy but that's a ryan roof you picked by the way he uh <laughs> that day he happened to come out with something, uh, some write-up on him, and I really liked it. It was either him or uh, Felix Batista, who you wound up taking, I think, later in that second round, and I picked Duval. But... And then we did the one last, so I, I, I can't see how you can get – it's going to be hard to pull that strategy off because now, you know, the closers are just going so early. Uh, and then in the first one, you know, uh, Phil made the comment that how thin outfield was, I'm like, what was he crazy? I mean, he'd always get outfielders. And then after I had three outfielders, like, you know what? He's right. I mean, it is, you know, thus I wound up with Garrett Mitchell in that one, you know, a guy who, who knows how much playing time he's going to get. Then we fast forward a couple of days later, we did the one last night after I did my second one, I said, you know what? Let me try and fill up my outfield slots quickly and my pitching quickly. Because I don't think you want to be in round 21 and draft him like Nick Pavetta. He could just sink you. you know, I mean, literally, you know, one guy can sink you. You get those late pitchers. So I started thinking, well, maybe, you know, if you can get one guy you know that's going to close, you know, to get some other relievers that can give you, you know, some saves down the road and draft a couple of those and maybe give up that last start and go five starters or six starters, three relievers, as opposed to I think the popular opinion was like maybe seven and two. Um, so that's what I did, you know, in the one we did last night, you know, I, I grabbed, you know, Fairbanks who should get some saves, Strathy Dominguez and, and Bednar was my first, was the closer. Uh, and I just you know, tried to like stay away from those trap pitchers later. So uh, right now, they, but I hated what, what my infield turned out to be. You know I mean? I, I, you know, that was the plan going in the way I drafted. I, but I seemed to be a round or two behind everywhere you know I, I ended up with anthony rendon and ramon urias and you know cga I, I just i hate my i love my outfield and i love my pitching but i hate my infield so it is hard to figure out this um 
this strategy. It's still to be determined, in my opinion. Um, obviously, it's going to come down a lot to health. Um, but, you know, strategies in, in any of these formats that they have, I mean, every strategy works if you draft good players. So, you know, I, you know, but my thinking was last night I thought I had it all locked in. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to get all my pitchers early. So I'm done by round 20 with pit, 18 or 19 with pitching. And let me get my five outfielders out of the way. And then I'll, I'll try and put together my infield. And I just hate the way my infield turned out. So, yeah, I, I think the that's to me, that's the most beautiful thing about the 15 team roto draft is you just you can't have everything right like you made a conscious decision like i'm getting outfield i'm gonna i'm gonna get some better pitchers in the second draft and now you're infields week um i desperately wanted a second good catcher i last night i took uh will smith late third i really wanted my second catcher to be you know at least kind of of the travis darno danny jansen caliber and i just couldn't get him like i just i kept getting sniped on whoever my catcher target was that round and i just hate the fact that my my second catcher is is ryan jeffers in that league it's like uh i was trying to paint a picture and there's this big smudge in the corner um (laughs) And so with your, you know, I think the saves, let's, let's stick on the saves strategy here quick, because in that first draft, uh, team 15 took Edwin Diaz, Manuel Classe uh, at 15, 16. Uh, I took Josh Hader with my second round pick. And then it went Hendricks in the second, Romano in the second. You took Duvall in the second. Then Devin Williams in the third, Presley in the third. I took Bautista in the third. Ryan Helsey also went in the third. Yeah. And then uh, with the second one, as you said, your first guy was Bednar in the seventh. Uh, and then you went Dominguez, Fairbanks, 13, 14. Uh, which of those, just on the closer side of things, do you sort of feel better with the second approach where you got sort of, you know, Bednar, Bednar, let's say he's like the, I don't know, 15th best closer, 16th best closer, something like that. And then two guys who are kind of, you know, top 25-ish type of guys. Maybe Fairbanks is more like a 30th best closer. And then versus the Duvall, you know, a guy that sort of has that upside of maybe finishing as a top five closer. And then Dominguez as the number two. Which of those sort of setups on the save side did you did you kind of feel more comfortable with after the draft? I, I like the strategy of getting one of the top five, no doubt, guys, if you can, you know, which is Class A Diaz, you know, Hader, Hendricks, Romano, you call it, you know, one of those guys. I, but, you know, I picked second in that first draft and on my second pick, they were gone, you know, so I, I really had no choice. So I think it depends if I'm going to be picking early in the draft, I'm going to have to in my opinion, if I'm not going to be able to get one of those guys, then I'm going to have to probably go an extra reliever, right? But I'd much rather, you know, do what you did in the first, you know, I'd much rather get Hater. you know what I mean? And, you know, I'd much rather get one of them stone cold, no doubt, other than injury, that the guy's going to be the closer uh, and, and get you the saves. 
Uh, okay. So I, I definitely prefer that method and then just find, you know, getting a guy later. I mean, you can, there are guys that are going to get saves you can get later, but yeah, give me that one guy that is, you know, who I think is going to get me 30 plus. You know, yeah. So I mean, I, I let that dictate my KDS on the, the yeah. two gladiators we've done. I had sort of, I think like, you know, in the 10 to 13 was sort of my preference for KDS on these first two gladiator drafts, just to sort of like, I don't know if I'm going to take, you know, class A in the first round. I ended up taking Edwin Diaz in the first round last night at, at pick 13. Uh, but at least like worst case scenario, I think if I'm picking kind of in that 10 to 13 range, I'll be able to get like Romano or Hendricks in the second. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's the, now I've yet to set my KDS because I really didn't know, you know, what, what I didn't know what, where's the best place to draft. You know, but definitely I think spots 10 through 15, if you prefer, uh, you know, getting one of those, those Garrett, you know, those, those high, the highest upside closers, those five guys, I definitely think you, you need to set your KDS to that. And I will move them forward just because I, I definitely prefer that, you know, that, that method. And, and we're, t- we're kind of talking about this on sort of a, a micro level, like the specific guys we got. Like if we take a step back, just kind of explain to people that haven't done this type of draft or, or maybe kind of wondering like why we're so obsessed with the idea of getting these high closers, uh, you know, you cannot get saves off the waiver wire in this. You leave the draft with the total amount of saves you're going to have all season and with everyone playing for this overall competition, right? Like, you know, it, it's a bad investment if you're playing one of these and your one goal is just to win the league. Uh, you could win the league and not do very well in saves. Um, right. That's yeah, definitely you, a way you could, to go. Yeah, you could punt saves and win the league if you wanted ab- to. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You could take like two of the best setup men in baseball, help your ratios, expect to finish last at saves, win your league, not come close to winning the overall. But everyone's trying to win the overall. And I think you probably won around 50 saves or more to have yeah. a chance to win the overall. No doubt. Right. You, right. So you have to get, like you did last night, you, you have to get one of those guys that are going to get you 30 plus, uh, you know, in my opinion. So I prefer to not draft again last night. I draft both drafts. I was in with you. I had the second pick. That's not ideal to get one of those guys. Unless, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess some, I guess you can take Diaz or Classy second, but yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder what the, I wonder what the max on class A is going to be uh, in the gladiators. Cause he, he went eighth overall last night. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top five, top three, something like that. Um, I, listen, I, when the mains roll around, I got a feeling he's going to wind up in the second round anyway. And, and, you know what well, I mean? yeah. And the main, yeah, sure. In the main yeah, event. Well, yeah, right. So I can see him in this format where saves are because there's no, like you said, there's no fab. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is he a horrible pick in, in round two? I in, in pick two? I don't know. I, you know, I don't, it remains to be seen. But you know, I'd rather have him than have you know Bednar as my first closer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, you know, here's what makes the gladiator so it's 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 its own game. Because you were picking out of the two hole last night and you got Ronald Acuna, Garrett Cole, and JT Real Muto as your first three. You know, like that's 
that's never going to happen in another no. NFBC contest, right? <laughs> no, no. Cole's not making it to, you know, you know, next to last pick around two. And it, you're right. That's not, it's never going to happen. Um, my sort of, you mentioned, you think, you know, class A is going to be going in the second round. Uh, I have a hunch that JT Realmuto is going to be going kind of mid second round by main event time, just because, he is i think he's probably the like the best sort of building block type of piece when you're just talking like roster construction because you're filling your catcher with an elite catcher you're getting 15 steals so you're getting speed and catcher and you're getting a nice batting average he's just he's kind of a a unicorn almost and yeah. right because you're gonna get 500 plate you're you know 500 bats as well you know he's not there's no uh part-time with him and he hits in a he plays in a good lineup he hits up in the order he hits you know he's been hitting he hit you know fourth third fourth fifth depending upon you know what was in there so yeah i think real muto given the, it's the steals you know i mean if you take the steals away then you know he he comes middle of pack but to get a catcher that can get you 15 and me being in that main event you know, especially going for an overall, me being in that, like every, you know, that last weekend, I mean, I was watching every stolen base. I had, you know, I got a little room upstairs. I got a few TVs. I had baseball games on everything. And <laughs> I'm, I'm watching on my laptop when someone's coming to bat, either who I need or who I need to not do well. And I'm switching to that game. And it seemed like all my opponents had uh, Jake McCarthy and he would steal like nine bases every day. <laughs> it felt like, you know, it was just, you know, if you had, you know, all the Diamondbacks stole every time they got on base the last month in the season, it seemed. So, yeah, when, you know, when you have that overall, uh, you know, component, uh, no doubt. So my kind of, other than the, the saves aspect in these gladiators, like I, I definitely kind of want to – um, like I ended up my second closer last night was Clay Holmes, which is about as bad as I'm like, if, if I have a worse second closer than Clay Holmes, something went wrong. I think in these gladiator drafts, at least for, for the way I'm trying to build, but my second main objective has been to, and I mean, this is, you know, you, you'll apply this to, to most drafts, most roto drafts, but I think it's important to get a good chunk of your speed early, um, maybe even more so in these than in a fab league or a draft champions league, because the type of guys that you can get speed from in those middle to late rounds, they're also the type of guys that could just lose a job. Yeah. And, and I think there's all kinds of different types of risk in this format. There's injury risk. You know, a lot of the guys that are big injury risks are, are getting pushed down the board. Uh, there's sort of performance risk, and then there's playing time risk. And if you're taking, you know, Jose Siri or even Jake McCarthy, um, you know, those those guys in the middle rounds, uh, that's your your ba- if you take Jake McCarthy in a gladiator league, you're betting your whole gladiator team on Jake McCarthy because. <laughs> if you don't get the 25 steals you're expecting from him, then it's just a completely wasted pick and he could lose a job. So like, I'm, I'm really trying to get, you know, 60, 70 steals or so in the first six, seven rounds of guys who I know are going to be playing every day. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, you got to get, you know, steals and saves early are more important. You know, it looks like this year in like round six through 10, there's a lot of great starting pitching that's available this year. So uh, I agree with you. You know, your second pick, you know, I don't want to give it away, but I mean, that's a great. Oh, pick we can talk about it. I took Bobachette last night. Yeah, I took you know, Edwin he, Diaz Bobachette. Right. He, yeah, he's going to run. You know what I mean? And he's playing in a great lineup. You know what I mean? So you got you got some steals and you got saves out of the gate. You know, maybe – well, Bichette will go second. But, but, you know, Diaz in the first round is not traditional. But for this format, I mean, that's – you know, you got a lot of speed early. You got Simeon earlier too. So uh, – and after listening to this area, you got Suzuki too. He's going to probably steal uh, more than expected this year according to her. So uh, you definitely give yeah, so, what you wanted. Yeah, my, my specific – sort of build last night from the 13 hole was Edwin Diaz, Bo Bichette, Will Smith, Marcus Semien, Gunnar Henderson, Brian Reynolds, Seiya Suzuki, Clay Holmes, and then I got into the starting pitching. Um, Severino, Snell, Morton, guys like that. But like with Suzuki, I would I'd project, you know, 10 to 15, Reynolds, you know, maybe 7 or 8, Gunnar Henderson, 10 to 15, Semien, 15 to 25 Bobachette 15 to 25. So just kind of spreading around the, the stolen base contributions there is <laughs> definitely the plan. And the whole, the whole sort of outfield. Cause I mean, Phil's 100% right. Outfield dries up, but uh, you know, I, I, I kind of think most category or most positions sort of dry up. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like maybe, Maybe kind of in rounds fourteen to like twenty, there there's still some solid like middle infield options. Um, I, I I think you can get at bats later. You know what I mean? I just was trying to focus on at bats later in the drink. Guys, yeah. like C.J. Abrams, there's no reason for him not to play every day. Yep. Now, is he going to be good? Oh, who knows? You know, what I mean, he could go hit one eighty. You know, I, you, you don't know. I hope not. But he's, you're at least going to get at bats out of him. Um, but I, the, you know, the top guys, it, it gives you these gladiators. The thing I like about it, it gives you a a focus on, like, who the guys are who are going to play the most and how thin some positions are. Because I did one of the, it wasn't last night, so either, I think it was the second gladiator I did. I mean, I think I drafted Mondesi. And I'm like, and the only reason I drafted was because, like, I think I did such a horrible job drafting. I picked them like, all right, well, let me just go for some big high upside guy. Cause I think my team isn't going to compete anyway, but maybe, who knows, maybe he comes back and gets 40 steals and uh, you know, and, and it helps me compete, you know, towards the overall, but uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Everything thins out late. I mean, it was painful last night when I'm deciding some of the guys I'm deciding between, especially at third base. I mean, oh, Anthony Rendon and Ramon Urias, that's like, that's as bad as it gets. You know, I, you know that, that's just bad. Yeah, I mean, Anthony, you got Anthony Rendon in the 21st round. Uh, that's – I don't like Anthony Rendon. Like, I just don't trust him to I play. Don't but, I, like, I honestly, I mean, 21st round in the $50 Gladiator where you're playing for the overall, that's still pretty nice. I mean, he's he's going to play when he's healthy. You know that much. Uh I also think, you know, this, and I'm with you, like you, the perfect player to take in these rounds, 
are the guys that you just are very confident they're going to play all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when you get into kind of the later rounds, like you're not going to be able to completely avoid uh, platoon players. But if you have a guy where like my last pick in last night's draft was Kerry Carpenter. And I just think he's going to strong side platoon for the Tigers yeah. pretty much all season. Yeah. And the guy got great power, even though he plays in a bad power park. Yeah. I got, I, I drafted him in, in every DC I have so far. I got Carpenter. Uh, I, I, I agree. He's going to, he's going to platoon. He's going to be the strong side platoon guy. And again, there's no reason for him not to play on that team. You know right. I mean? There's just no reason at all for him not to get a bad some play on that team. Yeah. And then uh, if you want to win the overall though, I suggest not doing a draft like we did in our first one, because I don't think the overall is coming out of that group. You know, because like last night we were in like I don't want to mention names, but like you know someone drafted Emilio Pagan, and <laughs> I yeah. was wondering what was going on with that. Yeah, yeah I just you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I mean, well, look, I, you know, you and Steve Weimer were uh, in the same league, and you finished like one two last year. Yep. So I mean, it it just just playing with really good players, it it doesn't necessarily mean you can't win an overall, but um, that first one there were probably too many good players uh yeah, you're not there was no value to be had in that draft i mean well i dis i disagree uh okay. let's let's go back to that draft because right. the room was so sharp um you know you had phil Dussault, you had uh i think steve weimer was in this uh dipietro eric albright jason dupont um Ryan Venancio was in it. Yeah, Venancio, uh, Gialdi, like yeah. Lucas Beery, like Waxman was in it. Like there, it was a very um, experienced room, and I think you saw all of the kind of rookies uh, or sort of less established players were going at kind of uh, max pick territory, almost like. Uh, Michael Harris went late third round in this draft. I right. got Vaughn Grissom in the final round. Yeah, um, he's either starting shortstop for all we know. Yeah, so I I think the value in that first draft was actually on the shiny new toy side because everyone was trying to not take that type of player. Yeah, I, I mean, I, definitely I can see that, but those guys they could be value. You know what sure. I mean? Right, but if they're not. You can't go. There's nowhere to turn for help. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, if you're, um, if you can't spot the sucker in the room, like that, that whole philosophy, but I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, like Von Grissom should not have been available in the final round of the draft. And I I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think like, I, you know, I, I didn't. Matt Mervis was an interesting one because I don't even. Did he even go last night? Yeah, he, he went. He went in the final round of last night's draft. I took him in the nineteenth round in that first one, um, and I mean that's that's the type of pick where I bet I bet a ton of people in that room just kind of crossed Mervis off and like he was just not on their board at all. But if you're playing to try to win an overall, um, I think there there's room for that. I mean it, it's. I don't think you're going to win the overall by not taking any risks in these gladiators. No, yeah. And listen, you win every any overall champion, regardless of the format. There's definitely some risk picks 
that, that, that work out. There has to be, but you know, when I just saw, like I said, but in that first one, no, I don't think Pagan got drafted. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. The Pagan pick stands by itself as just a a real head scratcher. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if, yeah, Kalanick did go in the first one. Um, Albright, you know, I don't want, I shouldn't have said that, but yeah, he did go, but uh, yeah, there's just some guys in that second one that went that were a little bit head scratcher. You know, um, I live in Charlotte, so I get to see the White Sox minor league teams there. And, you know, I know who Oscar Colas is. Uh, is that how, I'm not sure if that's how you say his name, but like, I don't know. And a gladiator, he seems a little bit of a risky guy to take. Yeah, totally. And, you know, circling back, um, you know, you, you mentioned Garrett Mitchell when we first started talking about these. Yeah, uh, he's just you know I I'm kind of taking sort of a hands off approach to that Brewers outfield. Uh, it, at least the Garrett Mitchell, Sturry Ruiz, Sal Frelick trio, because to me they're basically all ready. They all kind of do the same stuff. They kind of play the same positions, and. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Hunter Renfro to kind of open up another spot. Um, I mean, we know Yelich is going to play uh, his contract. You know, he's going to be in the lineup and stuff. But I just, I kind of wonder if one of those three is the odd man out. And I think Mitchell definitely gets the first. Because, I mean, he was the one that was up. He was the one who was playing over those guys down the stretch. He's the eldest of the three. So I think he he would have to kind of play poorly to, to fall out of that mix. Uh, but I am a little, I am a little worried about just, you know, I, I don't think you can bank on even 250 plate appearances from him. Yeah. Right. It, it's going to be hit or miss. I mean, he hit over 300 in a short time last year. Uh, you know, he has some speed and he plays great defense and, but again, right. Uh, so does some of the, so do the other guys with them. Um, it's just, it was a, a total risk, and I felt relatively decent about my uh, my outfield to that point. Um, I had Eloy Suzuki. Uh, I really like Lars Newbar, uh, but who knows, right? It's it's definitely it was a risk. I just I regretted it after I made the pick. To be honest with you, uh, I really did. I'm like, I oh, you know maybe I should have picked Lane Thomas because he should play, but. Well, yeah. let's 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 talk about you're, you're a Phillies fan. Um, before we get to the ADP segment, let's talk about some some Phillies stuff quickly. Uh, do you have any predict predictions for you know kind of any bigger moves that they're going to make this offseason? I know they've been linked to Trey Turner. Yeah, I, I think they're really going to go after a shortstop. Um, you know, uh, Harper was on. Why Harper was injured for for sixty days? Uh, he would, they had him in the booth during one game, and they asked him, you know, the, the color guy asked him, well, who's your favorite baseball player that's not Bryce Harper? And his first response was Trey Turner. He says, he's my favorite baseball player. And then, like, immediately, like, two pitches later, Real Muto throws out a guy uh, trying to steal. And, uh, you know, it's, well, who, who impacts, you know, base running, they ask him, as much as JT Real Muto. He says, the guy, the only other guy in Major League Baseball that does that is Trey Turner because of his speed. So Harper's really a Turner guy. Um, obviously, they played together and they're friends. So I, I think that's where the link is. But I think they're definitely going to go after a shortstop, um, you know, one of the big four. 
that are out there. Uh, they're going to make a play probably, you know, and then think and move and start the second. Listen, I have to do something. I'm as big as a fan there is, but I'd love for that entire team to come back as it was last year, but they're not going to, you know, they wouldn't win. They wouldn't get back to the World Series. You know, a lot of stuff broke their way, and they got very lucky, and, and they just caught lightning in a bottle. But they can't go in the next year as bad as they were defensively and have as many holes in that bullpen as they do to where really they only had the one move. You know, a lot of people are, you know, criticizing Thompson for taking, uh, you know, wheel. But that, that's what he that's what he did, and that's what got him there. But the only move they have was Alvarado Dominguez. That's it. They had no other real moves. So they got to make changes, plus they need another starter. So. I, I see them, you know, they got money. Apparently they're okay spending up to the second level of the, of the uh, competitive balance tax. So that's $245 million or so. So they can go get, you know, a high-priced shortstop. But if they do that, then they still got to address some pitching. And I'm what I, I listen to a lot of media in Philadelphia, and, and I keep just hearing that if they do that, chances are they could look to, to move Hoskins in the offseason which is understandable. I mean, he's below average defensively and they've never really done him any favors. He should not be, he's not a two hole hitter. I mean, he just is, he strikes out too much. I mean, he's likely to go 0 for 20 or 10 for 20 with six homers. I mean, that's the type of hitter he is. Does take a lot of pitches, which is good for a two hole hitter, but he needs to be batting fourth in that lineup. In my opinion, he's just not a two hole hitter. So they really, you know, never really helped him out there, but he's the one guy that they can trade and maybe get, you know, a rotational starter, maybe get some bullpen help. I mean, that's there's no one else left on that team to trade. And I mean, I'd be shocked if they tried to trade, you know, Painter, Abel, uh, you know, Griff McGarry. I'd be shocked if they tried to trade any of their uh, three pitchers that they really like. So I could see a scenario where they sign a shortstop and they, they move Hoskins and then they probably wind up platooming, you know, Derek Hall and Bohm at first. And when Bohm played first against a lefty, uh, probably Sosa would play third, and they shift Stott over to second, from short to second. Uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of the only moves they did. They're, kind of, they're set in the outfield. They got, they're not going to do nothing. They're going to go run it back with Marsh and Veerling in center. Hopefully more Marsh than Veerling, but, you know, that's what they're going to do there. And they got, you know, at least in the beginning with Harper out, they'll have Castellanos and Swerve on the corner. I mean, that's just scary. You know, you go with Bohm at third, Hoskins at first. Schwarber and left and Cassiano. Sir, that's a scary defense. I mean, they're gonna have a hard time signing a pitcher. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, with, with with that defense, so they have to do something. And I just saw today they signed Dombrowski to a three year extension. I have no doubt in my mind he would not have signed. Heck, I'm here in Nashville. He was here in Nashville trying to get professional baseball brought to Nashville. He wanted to start an ownership group here before the Phillies you know, dragged him out of retirement to sign. I mean, he signed a three-year extension today. I have no doubt in my mind he would not have signed that extension if they didn't say, hey, we're committed to spending more money uh, to build this team right. So, you, you know, I think, you know, they got to get a pitcher too. I don't, I, I mean, I'd love to see Painter, you know, come up. He's, but he's just, he's 19. You know, I mean, he's, I mean, he's dominant, you know, in 13 and a half strikeouts per nine last year through, you know, low A, high A and double A. I just, but he's still 19. So the Browski signed the three-year extension today, uh, you know, leads me to believe that they're really going to make a play for, you know, whether it's Carlos Rodon or whether it's Trey Turner or Swanson or, you know, Dombrowski's linked to Bogarts too. So you hear a lot of that chatter right now in Philadelphia that Bogarts is his guy, but I think that's what they're going to wind up doing. So, yeah, I mean, the 
really couldn't have been a, a worse team to sort of have to play their best player at DH. Yep. Right? Like, because they have all these other guys that need to play at DH, but then Harper has to play there over them for for yeah. physical reasons. Yeah. Um, and that's you, – you mentioned they haven't done uh, Hoskins any favors where he's batting in the order, but, I mean, he should have been a DH exclusively now for yeah. several years. Yes. Yeah, and 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 listen, I don't care if if Harper's getting the full Tommy John or not. He's DH next year too. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do because the, the, you know you're going to I, I I can't imagine him playing the first two months of the season. You know, so I, I that's why I think uh, I think they'll probably try and get Turner if they can, but the nut the, just the dollar amount may be insane. But yeah, yeah, Hoskins should have been DH all along anyway. I mean, Derek Hall, Derek Hall smashes righties. I mean, he can't hit a lefty for anything, but you know, uh, he could smash right-handed pitching. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they moved on from Hoskins. Like I think this is his last year of uh, team control. So, uh, so it sounds be- like you would be avoiding uh, Alec Bohm at his cost and maybe scooping up Derek Hall at his cost. I, I'm, I've never been a bone guy and it has nothing to do with him. I hate this effing place. And I just, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's, he's a third baseman and he's a big kid and I want to see the ball go over the fence for my third, my big third baseman. Not, you know, he's more of a line drive hitter, which is Lizzie. He, he had a great year last year and quite frankly, they don't make it to the world series without his contributions last year. He just had a couple amazing stretches and he was key in a couple rallies that they had. Um, I'm just, you know, he struggles defensively, and um, I'm not in love with uh, his bat. I mean, even though he had a great year, he was, I mean, he came out on fire as a rookie, but then he was horrible the year before. Uh, and they got, you know, they need some more contact. I mean, that team strikes out an awful lot. They need some contact, guys. And then, you know, you mentioned Stott moving to second. Like, can people, do you think people can feel comfortable? And by people, I mean me, because uh, I, I like Stat where he's going. I, I like the power-speed combo. Um, can I feel comfortable in everyday playing time from Stat next season, even if they go sign to Trey Turner? I think so. Um, he had some phenomenal at-bats uh, in the playoffs last year. And they've even come out and said, I mean, I, you know, his hitting coach, you know, they thinks he could win a, a batting title. That's how highly he thinks of. But I, I don't – I think next year Stott plays lefty. It doesn't make a difference. I really do. I think I he's uh, – I'm really confident in uh, Stott's playing time next year. I don't – I mean, Segura's – I mean, I, they're not going to have an option anyway, even with them signing a shortstop. They got no other second baseman. Uh, you're the prospect guy. <laughs> you know, Philly's got nothing in the minors uh, position player-wise any ready anytime soon. And I don't think, you know, unless, listen, if they brought Segura back, then they won't, if they bring him back, which is an option, if they strike out at shortstop, I could say him bringing Segura back on a cheaper deal. And, and but Stott will still play short. Segura will play second. I, I think there's no way he's out of the lineup. Um, yeah. As, as the prospect guy, I can tell you it's, it's easy to cover the Philly system. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's not a, not a yeah. lot of, not a lot of work needed. Uh, when it comes to evaluating the Philly system. Um, all right, let's move on to our final segment, uh, the ADP segment that I've been doing here uh, this this offseason. Uh, we've already done the 11th round ADP, 12th round ADP, 
and this is for 15 team leagues. Uh, so now Bob and I are going to look at 13th round ADP and we're going to each pick a guy that we're in on at that cost and a guy that we're out on at that cost. The players currently going in the 13th round of NFBC draft champions are Charlie Morton, Kettle Marte, Mitch Hanniger, Rowdy Telez, Brandon Drury, Oscar Gonzalez, Harrison Bader, Josh Bell, Thyro Estrada, Andres Munoz, Luis Arias, Brandon Nimmo, Brady Singer, Cody Bellinger, and Travis Darnall. So, Bob, uh, on previous episodes, I've made it pretty clear that I haven't necessarily been rostering most of the people going in, in the 11th round, 12th round. I've been rostering a ton of the guys going in the 13th round, so it's it's hard for me to narrow it down to one guy. But is there one guy in here that sort of stands out to you as someone that that you really like the the price on? I, I, for me, it's Brady Singer. Um, it would probably be a tie between uh, Singer and, and and you're right. I like a lot of these players, but some of them still are team dependent. Like where like where's Brandon Drury going to play, and what's his role going to be? I mean, if he goes somewhere where he's an everyday player, uh, you know, I, I think he's a he's very interesting. Uh, same thing, Nimmo. If Nimmo's on the Blue Jays, man, how can you not love Brandon Nimmo leading off? Or, yeah, I mean, I would imagine he would lead off, but I don't, I, it depends on what they would do with Springer. But I like Brady Singer. I like the way he uh, ended the season, the way he pitched last year. Great ratio guy. He would probably be the uh, he'd be the guy I like the best. Definitely not Cody Bellinger. <laughs> That's not, you know. Well, wait, hey, we're we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the fade here in a okay. second. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Singer is a Singer's a good one. Uh, I like Singer a lot for, um, like the Gladiator format, honestly, yeah. um, because I really in those sort of middle rounds, I love trying to get just guys that you feel comfortable about the workload. You feel comfortable, like they don't have to kill it from a ratio standpoint, but I mean. You know, something under a four for ERA, something under a one two five for WHIP. Um, I think I think Singer probably gets you that. Um, man, I I I'm really this is tough for me because I I love the price on Rowdy Telez this year. I am very excited about what Oscar Gonzalez can do as a sophomore. I really like what Harrison Bader brings to the table here. Uh, just not many guys left on the board that can give you his type of power speed upside. Um, and I, I like, uh, I like singer. I like Nimmo. I like Arias. I like Munoz. Um, so this is, this is a, a sweet spot for me. I think I've been kind of reaching for guys in this range in the 11th and 12th rounds, but uh, I got to go with Rowdy Telez. Um, this is a, this is definitely dependent on the Brewers hanging on to him, um, but they like he was such an important hitter to them, more so because of how bad the rest of their hitters are in terms of you know hitting the ball over the fence. They kind of need that type of juice in the middle of the lineup, so he's going to sit against some lefties. You know, Keston here is going to get some starts, uh, but he's not going to sit against every lefty and. I just think you're you're getting thirty plus homers in the bank, yeah. uh, and you're getting him a couple rounds later than 
similar first baseman like Christian Walker and Anthony Rizzo. Um, so I, I like kind of waiting for first base sort of in this range and having Rowdy Telez sort of circled. And then if he's not there, uh, maybe pivoting to someone like Josh Naylor. Uh, but I, I love, I love this, this range of the draft. Uh, okay. So was, is Bellinger going to be your fade in this, this round? Uh, yeah, I, I don't like Charlie Morton either, but that's probably more cause he's a brave and I hate brave. <laughs> Uh, I, I do let my let my do often let my personal biases leak into my fantasy, and that's just not good. I recommend don't do that, but I do. <laughs> I, I can't help it. My main event team had four Phillies on it. I say actually, I think it had five, but Dave Robertson was traded, so I don't count him. But uh, I, I just you know, but yeah, yeah, it would be Bellinger. I mean, I, you know, who 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 knows where he's going to play. The fact that the Dodgers, uh, you know, let him go, I think, you know, when you think of very smart organizations, usually the Dodgers are one you think of. And the fact that they uh, they, they felt that they couldn't fix him, I guess, I think speaks volumes. Yeah. Uh, I know that there's um, still some health stuff with him that – you know, if you wanted to make a pro Bellinger case, you could you could point to some stuff with the shoulder. But uh, yeah, it's just I'm not really looking to to kind of take that swing in this range either. But um, there are so I don't I don't like Bellinger here. Um, I don't I don't like Josh Bell here to be honest, um, and I don't like Brandon Drury here either. Uh, I just think, I think, I think, hmm. is my fade going to be Drury or is my fade going to be Bell? Um, man, I would fade both those guys pretty hard. I think my fade's going to be Drury. Uh, it just came absolutely out of nowhere. Um, you know, he, he did a lot of that damage with the reds and I mean, sign me up for anyone on the reds that's playing as much as he was and hitting in the lineup where he was. That's uh, that, that's the real cheat code drafts this year. Figure out who's going to hit in the middle of the order for the red. Right. You hit them the great American ballpark. They're going to put, you know, that's. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I exactly. I mean, I was, uh, I was loading up on uh, Kyle farmer before that, that trade yeah. um, it around like pick 400. And um, I, I got Fraley last night. I, mm. I mean, I it's got, just, I, I got reds all over Friedel, Fraley, even some Spencer, some steer, you know, yeah. I, you know, who, I don't know who's, but you know, you find the guy that's going to hit, you know, in the middle of that lineup and who knows what could happen. They have a Brandon Drury type season like, like he did last year there. Right. I mean, just pay attention to their, their spring training lineups. Honestly. I mean, if, yeah. If, uh, if if it's looking like somebody's a, an everyday player for them and they're going to be hitting high up in that lineup, uh, definitely want some exposure to that. And it yeah. doesn't – the name on the back of the jersey doesn't really matter that much to me. And I think that's kind of what happened with Brandon Drury last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was healthy, 29 years old, perfect team context, lineup and all that stuff. And now he's a free agent. I mean, 
he's not a guy that's adding much defensively at all. I mean, I know he can play multiple positions, but, uh, you know, if, if Brandon Drury signs with a new team and he's struggling out of the gate, it's not a lock that he just keeps everyday playing time. So I think you look at the other players going in this range, like, you know, Brandon Nemo's going to play, you know, Luis Arise is going to play, you know, like Bader and, and Rowdy and Hanniger yeah. and guys like that are going to play. I think Drury kind of stands out to me as a guy where I just, I think, I think the price is too high. Yeah. Like I said, I think he's really team dependent and, and playing time dependent. I mean, he, you know, he was just, he was always injured, but I, I do get it. I don't, uh, I like Drury some, um, maybe not the 13th round. I think I, I drafted him in the first gladiator, but it was, after the 13th, I think, uh, you know, I, but yeah, when a guy, you know, has a great year, just age 29 season, I think it's, uh, you know, it's tough to bank on that guy. It's a little bit late to all of a sudden figure it out. All right, Bob. Uh, why don't you let people know where, uh, where they can follow you on Twitter if, if they want and, and if they want to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you want to, you could, probably pretty much see who I follow. That's the best thing. If you want you know, some good fantasy advice, I think I follow a lot of great people, but just at Bob Cramie on Twitter, I'm fairly active, but, um, uh, you know, I follow a guy like, like James and the Rotowire crew and, you know, to get all my information. And, uh, James, once again, I, I just got to thank you, man. It, it's an honor. I can't tell you how many farm Fridays I listen to with you guys. And I never dreamed I'd be able to sit and do a podcast and actually talk one-on-one baseball with, uh, the real James, you know, the real James. <laughs> I assume that means there's a fake James Anderson out there. Somewhere. Uh, well, what it means is there's a lot of people with my last name and my initials, gotcha. and I needed something to distinguish yeah. back when I signed up in 2009. Um, so I, I really, really appreciate you joining me, Bob. Pleasure was all mine. And uh, hopefully, uh, are you are you going out to, to Vegas at all this year? I time? am. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to New York and Vegas this year. I want to do both. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, ho- hopefully I can meet you in person in, in Vegas. And uh, hopefully we can uh, kind of stay in touch. Um, you got really, really appreciate chatting with you. Uh, I'll be back with another episode next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.